Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third round recap of Down to the Wire again alongside my NHL analyst, Nolan Thode. Nolan, how are you doing today? I'm feeling good. I got my second dose vaccine today. So, you know, things are looking bright and uh, looking forward to or looking forward to, you know, the summer and uh, the cup final. It looks like we got a good matchup on our hands. So, uh, you know, lots of good things and finishing up grade 12. It just kind of seems surreal that all of a sudden, you know, we're where we are in our lives. Yeah, you know, I have to agree there. And it's just the the shitty way of ending grade 12, right? There's no other way of saying it in a pandemic and online world. And, uh, you know, it sucks that we got robbed of everything here. Uh, you know, no sports, no prom, no grad. Uh, everything was done virtual. And yeah, given those circumstances, it's such a, a, a such a shitty way to end off, a you know, a year where we saw the Canadians, you know, the first ca- Canadian team to reach the Stanley Cup final since 2011. Yeah. No, exactly. And, you know, if the fans had been there, obviously, you know, they have limited capacity, but, you know, a full packed Bell Center in the Stanley Cup, uh, Stanley Cup final, I'm sure is like a site that everyone, you know, wants to see. And, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to get that. And uh, instead, we got these, you know, mega expensive, you know, you can only buy two two tickets at a time. You can't even buy single tickets. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the Habs fans will still bring the energy, even though, you know, there's limited capacity. And, you know, Tampa, we don't even have to talk about them. They're essentially, you know, at more than full capacity, it seems like, you know, it, 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 they didn't, they won the cup last year, but they didn't get a share with their fans. So, you know, this year, their run feels a little bit different. And uh, actually breaking news here, like we've done multiple times on this show, uh, the Habs uh, are just expanding their capacity to 10,500 up from the 3,500 uh, that was for game six. So, you know, the Bell Center is going to be buzzing for game three, game three and game four. No, I have to agree with you there. You know, even though it's only 10,000, you know, 10,000 Montreal fans is equal to about five, uh, 50,000 Tampa fans. You know, they're going to be in there. It's going to be loud. Uh, I can't wait for game three. Well, let's get right to the recap before we get to our Stanley Cup final prediction, starting with the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We saw Tampa win this series in seven games, four to three, uh, you know, and like this story has been all playoff long. Uh, the Tampa Bay power play is very dangerous. They have lethal shooters, whether it's Stamkos, Kucherov, point in the bumper spot, or maybe even it's Kalorn. You have Hedman at the point. You sometimes have Hedman, you know, switch with Sergeyev if the power play isn't going as well as it could be. But, you know, with that series, with the exception of the 8 nothing game, it seemed as though every game was one shot. We had the odd empty netter here and there, but it seemed like this series was a lot closer than what we saw, you know, happen in Game 7. Because Game 7 was dominated, in my opinion, from start to finish uh, by Tampa Bay. And, you know, Varlamov was making every big save, you know, possible. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you there. You know, aside from the eight nothing game, all these games were super close and, you know, one bounce, it could have gone either way. And I think, you know, a a big point to that is, you know, the play of Andre Vasilevsky and Semyon Varlamov. They were both, you know, really good in this series. And, you know, looking at the guy in the the other net for the Canadians, Carey Price, you know, I'm expecting to see a lot of close games in the Stanley Cup finals as well. You know, keeping with the recap of the Lightning and Islanders series and, you know, this this series marked the last time that the Islanders will play at the Coliseum as they move to UBS Arena on a different part in Long Island. And, you know, the last game at the Coli was Beauvillier's overtime goal. And if we go to the game before that, which was game four, we saw Ryan Pulock make 
a incredible game saver. Uh, and that's going to be a trivia question uh, down the line, but uh, it's crazy that, um, you know, that Beauvillier scored and uh, what a, uh, what a run the Coliseum had. Uh, they saw, I think three of their four Stanley cups raised in that building and, you know, the Islanders, they are on the up and up. They, you know, they are a great team. And I think that with the Islanders and Lightning, right, this is the second year in a row that we've seen them play. I think we're going to see more matchups like this in the conference finals. Uh, this isn't going to be the last time that the Islanders and Lightning will play. Uh, and, it, you know, one weird stunt that really uh, was funny for me while I was researching was that the Islanders have yet to let up a shorthanded goal all season long but the time they do it is in game seven and that was the game winner. So, uh, you know, the way the power play broke down in the defensive zone, when they were trying to, you know, Sorelli, it was three on one on Sorelli. And then he somehow got, you know, still had possession of the puck and found Gord in the slot for a one-timer past Varlamov. Uh, you know, it really sucks for Islander fans that this is the way their season's ending. Yeah, you know, obviously unfortunate, not the not the victory that they wanted, you know, obviously they wanted to win the series and head on to the Stanley Cup finals. But like you mentioned, you know what these Islanders fans got in their last two games in that building was an amazing comeback in game six where they were down two nothing, you know, came back one quickly in overtime and then yeah that Pulock save at the end of game four so you know, a really great run and it's unfortunate because you know they obviously lost to Tampa last year. So it's definitely bitter losing to them again, but, you know, just another great run from the Islanders. And I think, you know, in terms of expectations in the preseason, I think, you know, they're, they're always going to keep exceeding them. And, you know, people are even, even despite this going to keep doubting them in the future. And like, like you mentioned, I think, you know, we could be seeing Tampa and New York Islanders, you know, these are just two very well coached, very well built teams. Uh, and they know how to get it done in the playoffs. They have in the last two years, and we, we could be seeing uh, this matchup many times down the road. Braden Point was the star of the series. And, you know, Montreal is going to have to find a way to slow him down because he had, I think, nine goals in a row, uh, you know, and he was just an unstoppable force for the Islanders. He always found a way to put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah, exactly. He was one game off of, you know, setting or tying the record for consecutive playoff games with a goal, just nine straight games with a playoff goal or nine straight playoff games with a goal is just, you know, absolutely insane. And he, he's been a big part of that offense. You know, they obviously have a ton of weapons, but, you know, he's kind of the, the young, the new fresh face. And, you know, he had a great run last year and another great run this year. Back to your point, though, on the on the shorthanded goal. Uh, two games, you know, this postseason have been one, you know, one nothing where the only goal was a shorthanded goal. The other team being Montreal uh, against Winnipeg. Uh, it's just, you know, a very strange way to win a game. But we've seen it done twice in these playoffs. And those both uh, both of those goaltenders will match up in the Stanley Cup finals. So just another, you know, odd twist to that storyline. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's strange, too, because you're looking at this Stanley Cup final as, uh, you know, an Eastern, you know, two Eastern Conference teams. And it really begs the question, you know, and two Atlantic teams at that uh, really, uh, I think, you know, the best division in the league. You know, you can look at it after this season. I think, you know, the Atlantic division is getting the respect that it does deserve. Moving on to the Montreal Canadiens versus the Vegas Golden Knights uh, recap here. We saw Montreal win in six games, four to two. And, you know, everyone keeps writing off the halves. After game one, people were thinking Vegas in four or Vegas in five. Now, granted, it wasn't Montreal's best game, 
but or prices, you know, I think that was Price's worst game of all playoffs that he's played. You know, you could probably argue the four nothing shutout on home ice in game four against the Leafs. But, uh, you know, I just didn't really like how Price was playing that game. Uh, but during the whole series, we saw Montreal's penalty kill. That was a huge recipe for uh, success. They went perfect, I believe, during the whole series. Uh, and Vegas, you could you could argue that Vegas's power play didn't, you know, what it, it sucked. Uh, they didn't convert on anything. They didn't have any confidence. They weren't moving the puck quickly. Uh, the passes were telegraphed easily for the Montreal Canadiens defenders to intercept or intervene. Uh, but now it's two years in a row uh, that we've seen Vegas in the playoffs last year against Dallas, this year against Montreal, where their top players simply haven't been their top player. Exactly. You know, Mark Stone went, you know, stone cold in the series. I don't think he registered a single point, you know, that's, that's pretty crazy. And, you know, a big part of that is the power play being shut down. I think, you know, Montreal did a phenomenal job on the penalty kill and one of Tampa's strengths this entire postseason, like you mentioned, has been the power play. So special teams is going to play a big role in this Stanley Cup finals. And, you know, Montreal was able to get the edge in the, in the semifinal. I thought that when it was 2-2 after Nick Waugh scored the game uh, four overtime winner, that Vegas had momentum going home, uh, obviously coming off the OT win, going back to 18,000 sold out crowd. And, you know, I thought Montreal, like I was kind of nervous that game. In game five, I was like, okay, it seems as though that the tide is turning towards Vegas and that they're going to take it in six, take it in seven. But, you know, we saw Josh Anderson, Burlington native here. Uh, he jump started the offense. He's been, you know, a good player to start off the opening face off. He gets in hard on the four check. He hits everything. Uh, he's an immovable force. It seems like, you know, we saw him drive towards the net and then just Barry cock in the MEKK. He pots in the rebound and, you know, now it's one, nothing and much of their offense kept rolling in game five. They kept rolling in game six. So it's great to see that, you know, we have another Canadian team in the Stanley cup final. Yeah, you know, you talk about the momentum coming back from that game four, you thought it shifted to Vegas, or I, I think the real, you know, momentum shift in this series was the mistake by Marc-Andre Fleury in game three, you know, Vegas was playing a really solid game, you know, both goaltenders were playing well, and, you know, who's to say that the Habs don't score if that doesn't happen, but, you know, if Fleury doesn't do that, and they win that game three, you know, they they have a 2-1 series lead, uh, Fleury still has his confidence, you know, a lot of things came from that, instead of, you know, rolling with their goaltender, they kind of, for the rest of the series, we're deciding between Leonard and Fleury, you know, that created a little bit of, you know, just panic in the Vegas locker room, you know, obviously they have two elite goalies, so they have that option, but you know, in the playoffs, it's, it's so big when you can just be confident playing in front of the same goalie each and every night, knowing that he's going to give you a great chance to win. But you know, that, that, that gaff by Fleury, you know, people are going to be looking at it as the, as the real turning point in the series and the Habs were able to capitalize off of it, you know, Josh Anderson scoring that goal and the OT winner, uh, you mentioned he's just a great player in terms of, you know, setting the tone. You know, my my coaches playing youth hockey, whenever we would, you know, roll out the starting lineup, they would, if I was on it, they'd be telling me how I need to set the tone, you know, just kind of let the other team know how things are going to be the whole game. And I think Josh Anderson is just one of those players and hopefully he's able to have his way against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We talk about setting the tone there, and I think that's a great point you bring up. Uh, the officiating, uh, I think that goes hand in hand with a player setting the tone as well. Uh, Montreal in game three uh, or game four, whatever it was, 
Uh, both games, we saw Horde officiating. I mean, you know, we saw Corey Perry get high stick. That that can't be missed. I yeah. mean, you, you have to, as a ref, you have to act like your job is on the line every night because who's to say that Gary Bettman doesn't call you up and say, all right, you did a subpar job. I came out in a press conference like two years ago and said that the, you know, we have a standard of excellence here in the NHL about our referee. And, you know, I said that, uh, the refs are the best in the world. So when you go on record as Gary Bettman and you say mm-hmm. that, and then you watch Chris Lee go out and lay an egg, essentially, yeah. uh, like I was furious at the at the officiating, the refereeing. It could have not have been more poor than than at all. And you know, we saw in Game Five uh, that was in in Vegas, right? So uh, we saw in Game Five the officiating was much better. And yeah. I know that the bar was set really low, so that really doesn't say much. But, you know, I think there was a cross-check early on that Byron had on Theodore, and that would, that would that's a legit penalty. So, I, you know, as a fan, I'm like, okay, I agree with that. I, you know, we learned in our early days in minor hockey, you can't, you know, cross-check someone in the back in the numbers because that's a penalty. And so it was called. And, you know, I, I liked that the penalty was called because that set the tone for the game. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, you, you go back to the high stick and, you know, there's some there's some calls, you know, where they get missed and you can kind of understand how they got missed. But that one was just, you know, a blatant penalty. You know, Corey Perry was bleeding and, you know, showed the battle scars afterwards. But, you know, Montreal was able to get the last laugh in the series. So despite that poor officiating, I think, you know, the fans are, you know, just kind of it's in the past and hoping for, you know, a much better showing of the refs in the Stanley Cup final. And, you know, one final point before we move on to our prediction for the Stanley Cup final, uh, you know, I really do feel for Pete DeBoer because, you know, he, you, with the stars, with his stars, you know, the Mark Stone, the Jonathan Marchessos of the team, not performing up to their, you know, what we saw in the regular season, he was put him, you know, they put him in a bad spot, right? Because you're damned if you do with, you know, going with Leonard in game six, or you're damned if you don't, right? So it's almost like you're in a lose-lose situation because if you win game six, you're still going to have questions in the net no matter what. So it's just, I really do feel for the coaching on that, on that perspective. No, for sure. Uh, You look at Vegas and, you know, pretty much since the expansion, since the first expansion year, uh, there's been flurry trade rumors just because, you know, he still has a little bit of value. And, you know, this offseason, we really could see him being moved because, you know, Vegas is in cap hell. You know, they're already paying another goalie $5 million a season. So he's aging and, you know, he, he might have showed his age a little bit down the stretch in that playoffs uh, in that playoff run. And we might we might see Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, you know, be on the trade block. Moving on to our Stanley Cup final prediction here. Uh, like, you know, the winners, uh, like we've said, it's the Montreal Canadiens versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and they certainly do have playoff history. Uh, most recently in the second round back in 2015, when uh, Tyler Johnson scored with literally 0.1 second or 0.2 seconds, whatever yeah. it was in game two. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but, you know, these teams have met in the first round in 2014 and 2004 in the conference semifinals. Uh, and Tampa holds the 2-1 uh, series edge. But, uh, you know, this Montreal team, it's, it's different. It's been a different team since game four of the first round. Uh, it seems like they've bought into the system that Ducharme has uh, placed. And, you know, something that I forgot to mention, Montreal is accomplishing this without their head coach. He's yeah. in COVID protocol right now. So, like, hats off to them. I certainly don't know how they've been able to do it with Luke Richardson behind the bench. But if 
teams that don't have a head coach, like the Coyotes, like the Sabres, they could call Luke Richardson and give him an interview from what they've seen in the playoffs so far. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not like he's just getting a few games in the regular season. He's, you know, winning these crucial games for them. You know, you talk about COVID protocol, you got to bring up Joel Armia, you know, Montreal's penalty kill has been solid all year and he's been a part of that. So his absence, we're going to see how it's felt. He's not playing in game one. I don't think he's traveling to Tampa uh, when he does get back in the series. You know, he's just one of those underrated players on Montreal, you know, maybe on paper, he, he doesn't scream superstar or anything to you, but he's one of those players like Josh Anderson, you know, that that really brings the energy sets the tone and you know you're never gonna have to worry about Joel Armia you know not not going 100% on every shift well I just want to correct you there so actually news came out today that Joel Armia has cleared COVID protocols so that's great news but logistically speaking the Habs have already had their practice Jake Evans took his spot on the fourth line so I feel as though that adds speed to the fourth line in which you know, if they, you know, with John Cooper, if they want to throw the Sorelli or the Johnson line out against the Stahl, uh, Perry and Evans line, I think Evans can add a little speed element. That way it's not as bad of a scenario as it could be if Armia is out there. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, putting Evans in there, you know, he, he's going to be a very hungry player, you know, hasn't played, I believe, since that game one versus Winnipeg. And, you know, when you look at this Tampa Bay roster, you know, speed on a lot of their lines, you know, like you got guys like Point, Kucherov, you know, even guys like Coleman and Yanni Gore. These are fast guys, you know, Anthony Sorelli. So they're going to have to match that in some way. And whether it be, you know, putting Jake Evans back into the lineup, I think, you know, it's something you just got to look at. And uh, I guess I should add that uh, Yoel Armia is taking his own uh, private jet down. Like he just flew down today. So I, uh, you know, he hasn't practiced yet. So I think it would be unfair to him yeah. to have, you know, his it really, he would only have warm up to practice in tonight. Right. So uh, I think they're going to go with Evans since they've already practiced. And I think that's fair for me to say. Mm-hmm. And, and, and p- putting Evans in there, you know, might be a strategic thing. You know, if the players look down the bench and see Jake Evans, he's kind of, you know, one of those guys that they were playing for in the last couple of rounds. So to be actually playing alongside them, it might give uh, the, this Canadians lineup a little boost. Another thought I have with Evans coming into the lineup is what does that mean for Tatar? It seems like that means that he's on his way out because, you know, he was a re- great regular season, but uh, he didn't perform up to those expectations that, that fans management, you know, that he put on himself. And I, uh, you know, it, it seems like Tatar could be traded in the off season since Jake Evans is taking his spot over him. Yeah. And, and it's not the first time that we've seen Tatar be scratched. You know, when he was traded to Vegas in 2018, he wasn't, you know, he was scratched in the Stanley cup finals against Washington. It's interesting because, you know, you think of Thomas Tatar and you think of a guy who can provide a lot of offense, but you know, we've seen him scratched, you know, now twice in crucial playoff games. And it, it really begs the question, you know, what is his role on this Canadians team? And, you know, what's he going to fish out there on the free agent market if teams know that, you know, he's not going to be able to get it done in the playoffs. He was also scratched in the regular season. So it seems as though that he has lost his spot within the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, with Montreal, they have a couple of young guys, you know, obviously coming in and taking spots in the lineup. Uh, I I remember a point this you put on your sports story, I believe a couple of weeks ago, it's just kind of crazy, you know, especially now how far we've seen these Canadians come, how, you know, it took them so long to get Kakanyemi and Caulfield into the lineup because it seems like there's such they're a much better team without uh, with them, you know, in the lineup. 
Yeah, and you know, going back to that, like Ducharme looks like a, a, a an idiot. He looks brainless. Uh, when you think of the run the Habs have been on, like, Caulfield had four goals, four yeah. goals as a rookie in the semifinals against Vegas. I mean, yeah. you scratched him for games one and two. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I think, you know, the reason that he was scratched is because they were taking a bit of a different approach to the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, more like a kind of shutdown kind of thing. But as these offensive players have started to, you know, hit, hit their strides, I think, you know, this Habs team is, you know, very going to be a very hard team to beat, especially in seven games. Well, getting back on to the main topic here, uh, you know, I think Montreal is going to have to establish a cycle game off the rush. Uh, in game seven, I saw that Tampa really defended uh, well against the New York offense. And, you know, New York had a lot of one and done dumping in and then, you know, Hedman or Sergeyev, whoever was on the ice, broke it out in clean succession. So they didn't really sustain any ozone time. And when you don't have that, it's going to be hard to score off the rush since, you know, I guess the team like Tampa Bay, who does defend really well. Exactly. You know, they defend really well. And you mentioned guys like Hedman, Sergachev, you know, also guys like McDonough. These are just really good puck moving defensemen so that, you know, the dump and chase isn't as effective on them because they can just, you know, grab that puck behind the net and make a quick pass. And all of a sudden Tampa's, you know, breaking in, you know, they dominated that play in game seven, uh, you know, up until late in the third, you know, the Islanders had that one final push. uh, But, you know, this 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 Tampa Bay team, you know, when when everything is going right for them, it's really hard to establish, you know, anything against them. I'm wondering if Price, if Carey Price versus Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie matchup we're going to see this playoffs. I think it is considering they are two Vesna goalies. And they, like, I think, you know, Montreal, they really like the close games. Let's go back to the, you know, semifinals. Four of the six games were decided by one goal. So, and, you know, Tampa, we could go with them in their series against New York. We, ju- we mentioned that a lot of their games were decided by one goal. So it seems as though goal scoring might not be as apparent as some people think. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be a really close series. I think, you know, both of these teams, you know, especially in the first couple games are sort of going to be feeling each other out just because, you know, that's, you know, kind of what we saw in the Tampa Islanders series. Uh, more so in the Vegas uh, Montreal series, just because they hadn't played in a, in, in a while, whereas Tampa and New York had played each other in the playoffs earlier, uh, you know, a year ago. But yeah, I, I feel like these first couple of games, you know, we're going to see a little bit more of a passive approach. But, you know, as the series goes on, you know, hopefully, you know, it's it's a tie series after a couple of games. Uh, Price versus Vasilevsky, it, it's an incredible goalie matchup, you know, both Vesna winning goaltenders, but, you know, both in my eyes, you know, Vasilevsky obviously hasn't won the heart, but he's been, you know, he was probably the MVP of this Tampa team in the regular season this year. And he has been, you know, essentially the MVP, you know, very underratedly for the past couple seasons, you know, four straight series, you know, when they've won, he's had a shutout in the series clinching game. And I think when you have a team like Tampa that has a lost star power on offense and defense, the goalie can get overshadowed. But I think Andre Vasilevsky, you know, it, it really might be the battle of the two best goalies in the NHL right now. It's all about the timely saves and Andre Vasilevsky really knows how to make them. I mean, yeah. same as, you know, the same is said for Carey Price. So it's, you know, this is going to be such a tight, uh, we talk about, you know, the defense when Montreal has really good defense as well. But I think the where the the problem for Montreal is they aren't getting enough contribution from the back end. Uh, we saw in Vegas, that was really their main point of scoring. 
Uh, you know, in Winnipeg, they had, you know, their defenders contribute. Uh, but I think, you know, with Tampa Bay, they can have, you know, like, there are a lot more offensive defensemen. Uh, and with Montreal, they're more, you know, I think like two-way defensive. So it's going to be hard for Montreal to, Montreal's defenders to contribute. And I think they need to step up and this is the stage to do so. No, exactly. You know, you look at Shea Weber, he's playing in his first ever Stanley Cup finals. You know, he wasn't a part of that Predators team in 2017 because he was on the Habs by that time. But, you know, he's going to be hungry. You know, you look at him, uh, you look at Carey Price, Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, you know, even though Stahl and Perry already have cups, you have these veterans that, you know, this is probably going to be, you know, realistically their last run at it. So they're going to need to step up because, you know, they might not get another chance. And, you know, I think with Phil Deneau and his pizza, uh, he's certainly hoping to eat more. But, you know, Phil Deneau is such a key contributor to the Montreal success. He's shut down the, uh, you know, Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. We yeah. talk about Mark Stone, Alex Tuck, right? He shut them all down. So the next step is this tough Tampa depth, you know, this Tampa team that's full of depth. You know, and he's going to be relied on heavily, whether it's to cover the Stamkos line or the Kucherov line. Yeah, exactly. Five on five. He's been incredible. And, you know, even on the penalty kill as well, he's just played that shutdown centerman role. You know, he's a pending UFA as well. I think, you know, he's going to be able to fish quite a bit just because he's that perfect, you know, defensive center. You know, he he gets the low key selkie kind of attention. Uh, never really, you know, up there. But, you know, he's been playing like a selkie, you know, winner, not just a nominee in these playoffs. And, you know, obviously this is the biggest task that he's had so far. But, you know, you go down that list, you know, Matthews, Marner, Ehlers, uh, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, like those are incredible players. And he's been able to have his way with them, uh, you know, on the faceoff dot, he's been incredible all playoff uh, and just, you know, being able to shadow them when they're on the ice and, you know, limiting their chances. Uh, he, he's probably, you know, one of the main reasons that they are here in the Stanley Cup final. Well, I certainly don't have uh, much else to add unless if you have anything else to add, uh, we'll wrap it up here. No, I, I think I, we're just looking forward to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you know, the fans are going to be there, you know, like you said, 10,000 for Montreal. I think, you know, it's going to be electric when it is there. And, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, they, they, they can bring the noise when they want to. You know, they, they were pretty good in that game seven, uh, you know, especially near the end. You know, when the Islanders were starting to get the chances, you know, the Tampa fans were all on the edge of their seats. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of one goal games in this series. Uh, and, and I'm definitely looking forward to watching some hockey. Well, before we hop off here, uh, did you see the crowd after game six, though? Like, the fans in Montreal, whoever was in the yeah. building, they had to stay an extended period because of the crowd outside. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I saw this one thing on TikTok. This guy was just, you know, happy running through the streets of Montreal, and he randomly ran into his buddy. You know, everyone was just out there. You know, I have a friend who lives in Montreal, and, you know, just to be a part of that city right now is, is incredible. And, you know, if they do win the Cup, you know, obviously knock on wood, but we're going to get quite the celebration even in these COVID times. Well, I'd like to thank again Nolan Thode for joining me on a third-round recap of Down to the Wire. It's always a pleasure, Pags.